0: We are in denial of our own life's fragility and limitation. We are going to die. Now, people, say, of course, we know we're going to die, but if you really, truly are you living like believe it, believe that, and it was a reality, you would live your life different.
1: Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host Amber Hurdle here with you yet again another week, bringing you incredible guests that you can learn from from their experience, from their wisdom, um, from their grit, and everything that they've learned. We're going to try to condense into. 30-ish minutes, and hopefully you will get some incredible uh, value out of today. Um, Pre-recording, Mark and I had a a quick little chat, and I'm pretty excited about where we're going with this episode because I think each of us um, have really been through so much disruption and so much change, and we've had to look inward so much. And, And I think that Mark is going to give us a path where we can harvest all of that and point it in a direction to help us move forward instead of just being in the swirly-whirly land that sometimes we get into um, when we get overwhelmed or there's too much change in our life. So let me tell you about Mark. Mark Moncheck is the founder and chief opportunity officer of Opportunity Lab, a strategy and facilitation consultancy helping mission-driven organizations grow thriving, resilient businesses Important now more than ever. He is the author of the Amazon nonfiction bestseller, Culture of Opportunity, How to Grow Your Business in an Age of Disruption. Mark has worked with leaders from the likes of Google, Apple, J.P. Morgan Chase, General Electric, Goldman Sachs, Adorama, I hope I said that right, TerraCycle, Filtzburg, and the New York Times. And he uses innovative but tested facilitation techniques to help leaders and teams identify their gaps. And their blind spots, lean into their strengths, and amplify their impact in a changing marketplace. I mean, we could just stop there. (laughs) Mark, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast.
0: Uh, Thanks, Amber. So happy to be here and so appreciative of the work that you do. And I was listening to a recent episode with Jennifer Spivak talking about, you know, what's the impact uh, of severe adversity on, on the human being and on leaders and owners and I really was touched by you and Jennifer kind of going deep into, you know, situations in your own lives that were so impactful and how my, my sense of it was each of you in your own way, changed the trajectory of your lives because you chose to take something that could have easily made you feel like a victim into a shift in consciousness and a shift in how you're going to live your life. So I just want to thank you for that. And also, you know, tell you, when I, when I hear those kinds of situations, and I've had quite a few in my life, I've come to think about not only what happens to the personality, but what happens to the soul, mm. right? So more, more than ever, I've actually been having conversations with our clients who are typically owners and CEOs of pretty large and mid-sized, you know, privately held companies. We work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, but we tend to work more with companies where we deal directly with, you know, the people who founded the company or the successors of that. And the whole idea of, you know, legacy and what you're leaving to your children, to your employees, to your communities is a conversation we weren't having a few years ago, and and our clients are actually willing to have them right now. So um, I was just kind of referencing that episode that you had. And I thought it was a great conversation with you and Jennifer about how your lives changed so much for the better, even though they could have gone the other direction. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, Jennifer is definitely um, quite a champion. And, um, you know, it is, it's about, it is about resiliency. And every time I see that word, I I get really excited um, because that's something that's earned, right? (laughs) Something you have to work for. And I just concur. Um, You know, we were so busy, we're blowing and going before COVID came and just, you know, pooped on the whole party. And it was almost like we were all on autopilot and we were just doing the next thing and earning the next dollar and, you know, launching the next product or whatever that looked like. And then COVID was just like, ah, just kidding. And now we're dealing with uncertainty and death and, um, you know, just, uh, uh, being away from our friends and our family and our loved ones. And what more did we have to do other than watch a tiger show than to go inward? So, I mean, do you think that's why people are more willing to have these kind of, that you and I want to have? Like, we want to talk about souls, but we weren't really allowed to before, invited to at least. Now this is happening regularly. I, I love it. What What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I do think COVID and the other disruptions that happened as a part of COVID. So obviously we had, you know, the murder of George Floyd, which opened yeah. up a whole conversation about race that we were having, but not quite at that level. Right. We certainly talked about science and how we rely on science and how science can be incredibly powerful for us, also how distrustful some people are, some people understandably are about science and about government. Uh, More than anything, Amber, I really think people understood, or or at least the people I am talking to and working with, the interdependence of all human beings, of companies, of cultures, of countries, yeah. And that sense of inter- interdependence and fragility has spawned these conversations about legacy, about um, your eulogy and what your life has stood for and will stand
1: for. Yeah, so walk us through. Um, you, you use that eulogy uh, uh, reference. walk us through. so you're you're working with uh, a CEO or a senior leader. There's friction. There are challenges, there's uncertainty, there's continuous change and, and things aren't, things aren't aligned. So where do you start with that? And, and how do you use that eulogy analogy to, to get them where they need to go? I'm
0: going to give you a very specific current example without using the name of the company, the names sure. of the people. Uh, but I'm using it because I'm I'm so inspired uh, and and learned so much through this process from working with these with these two folks. So these are two two um, leaders and owners of several different companies under one company umbrella that were best friends from the age of 15. They were immigrants, Jewish immigrants from the Ukraine, came here under very adverse circumstances. Uh, kind of found each other and all of the things they had in common and then started a business uh, in electrical supply uh, about 20 years ago, uh, give or take. And they built their business up to be very, very, very substantial, very unique in its own way. And they were each managing separate parts of the business. As we started to merge the business together, create one holding company, create some synergies and create some shared services, there became... Friction that they didn't really understand. And that friction caused them to really, really have kind of a um, a come-to reality moment. So what we found was neither one of them had really truly understood at this point in their lives, now in their early, mid, early to mid-50s, having had a great deal of financial success, having had families that were successful, what do I actually want right now? So much has changed in their lives, but it happened so fast and it happened like together and they never really stepped back. So the first phase was just fulfillment. What is it you want your life to stand for? We actually each of them had to write their eulogy, each of them had to write their personal mission statement in a very, very structured step by step process with me facilitating. And then we went into the second phase, which was alignment, and they got to actually share these with each other. And number one, each one of them was surprised by how much they had changed individually and surprised that they didn't quite know exactly where their partner was, but they actually got alignment much more quickly than we thought because they never had taken the time to do this. And it was so uh, really rewarding for me and for them. And I was able to see by asking these questions, you really can make a very, very big shift relatively quickly.
1: So, so, okay. So uh, let's just say, um, I'm ready to figure this out for myself and I'm a business owner or or a leader and you're saying write a eulogy. Um, I'm not a wordsmith. I mean, I am, (laughs) but I'm just, I'm I'm like trying to put myself in my client, my customer, my audience members brain. And they're like, well, I'm not a wordsmith. I can't write my own eulogy. Do you have like a framework or any encouragement for people that maybe might be intimidated by, by writing? You know, we have even the concept.
0: Sim- yeah. So we have a very, very simple step-by-step process that leads them up to that. The words and how the words are written, the grammar, you know, how it flows is really not important. It's like, imagine that there's going to be a group of people who you deeply care about, who are going to speak about your life. And you're going to be witnessing this from wherever you are, <laughs> you know, wherever that consciousness is. And just the idea of that is so profound because Amber, you know, one of the things that we have really screwed up in our, in this world is we actually deny the fact that we're going to die. Right. If I had to to change one thing in the world right now, I would change the fact that we are in denial of our own life's fragility and limitation. We are going to die. people say, of course we know we're going to die. But if you really, truly like believe that and it was a reality, you would live your life differently. Mm-hmm. So the simplicity of it is it at the end of the day, the, the people you love the most, what do you want them to have said about your life? It's really simple.
1: Yeah.
0: It could be in the most ungrammatical way possible. It doesn't matter. But they were deeply touched by this. And so was I. And I was really in, inspired by how actually meaningful their lives had become. They just hadn't owned it yet.
1: Yeah. So what is the what is the outcome in terms of getting in alignment with how you want your life to be and where you want to go in the future? What is the outcome that people get from taking the time to write their own eulogy?
0: So the first step with these folks is uh, the fulfillment. Then there's the alignment. And we actually go through an alignment process, which is what is the data that you're using to look at your partnership or your business or whatever it is you're focused on. What is your um, feelings about that data? What is the judgments you're making about it? What is it you want from the situation and what is it you're willing to do? Mm. So we call it collaborative communication. And out of that, we get clear roles of the partners or of the leaders, depending on who we're working with. We get a clear sense of agreeing on what are the facts we're actually working on based on what we're doing in our business. And then not we the start story they're a- telling
1: themselves in their head, but the actual facts and the data that is the truth.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's kind of shocking how people are using different sets of facts in the same business. Yeah. <laughs> right. So once we get alignment on the facts, and then you understand that, people's feelings and the assumptions they're making often are totally misunderstanding each other or, or their team. Then we start to say, okay, what do you actually want? And what are you willing to do? So that alignment phase then gets to the third phase is, okay, what is it? What's the business that you now having understood your fulfillment, how having understood your alignment that you now want to create. And that leads to a vision statement That leads to a mission statement for the business. And then that leads to what we call a opportunity plan, which is based on the book that I wrote. You mentioned earlier, Culture of Opportunity, How to Grow Your Business in Age of Disruption. We have a whole process, which that's the phase three, which is really the the plan for the future of the business and the partners and key stakeholders in that business.
1: Mm, I love it. And, you know, as much as we love to boil the ocean in 30-ish minutes, we can't. So obviously, you want to get this book if this is resonating with you, because then you do get the details, the examples, the how-tos, the step-by-step. Not that we can't hit at high level, but you know, one reason why those of us who are thought leaders or um, you know, professional communicators, professional problem solvers write books is so that people have the manual if that's something that is um, they have an appetite for. Now, you talk about legacy. You talk about you know, what do I really want for my life? And the reality is we don't just have those. Each of our team members have that experience as well. And so as we know, you know, I mean, there is plenty still of social justice issues, you know, at at the time of this recording, it's Pride Month. Um, There's so much already going on in society. How do we tap into our team members to understand them in a better way so that we can help include them in the big picture and make them feel like they have fulfillment every day and if they did get hit by a bus tomorrow that they would have lived well by sharing their gifts and their talents in a in a, in a business setting
0: that's a great question and that actually comes out of the um fulfillment process because these two leaders owners and the others i work worked with they realize part of their legacy is they want to create fulfilling jobs that are well-paying, that create career opportunities, that help their families have the life that they want to have. And once they understand that's important to their legacy, then they say, "But how do I design my business to actually make that happen? And then we go down to the next level. Okay, what is the people who report to you? What is the fulfillment they want to have, what is the alignment they need to have with uh, the business. And then they become part of that visioning process because in the culture of opportunity, it's not just the owners who are participating that it's people from all around the company and it's diverse, it's inclusive. And we always have people from outside the business to challenge the status quo to make sure there's an influx of new ideas and challenging what we used to do and why we used to do it. And that becomes really a dynamic. Game changing process.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I love that because how it's always been done does not mean that's how it should be. And and if you don't get that external perspective, um, you know, then it almost kind of you know gets into that imbalance of parent child relationship instead of peer to peer. Like, yes, I have authority over you. Yes, I manage you and processes, but I'm not your parent, and it doesn't always have to be my way. And so, so to have that external perspective coming in, I feel like that brings some cohesion, some balance, some different way of thinking about the problems at hand because isn't life nothing but a series of problems and hopefully make more good choices than we make bad choices
0: yeah amber what you just brought up is really is really key to one of the biggest shifts that we've seen in the last couple of years which is really the relationship between employers and employees and the contractors and consultants and coaches and people who are important to the organization maybe they're not a Uh, W2 employee, but they are still working with the company. We
1: sit on their benches. I mean, I I could already tell that you're all in with your people. I know I'm all in with mine. So, we we might not be W2, but we're in it with them.
0: Yeah, so we're part of the ecosystem, and it's important that owners of companies understand that they no longer have the control, the ownership of people's time Mm. that they had before. Mm -hmm. So, COVID basically shifted the reality as well as the ensuing labor shortage, mm-hmm. labor shortages different ways at different points in the world. So, if you recall, a couple of months ago, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, David Solomon, said, I want all of our people back in the office, at least three, I think he wanted four days a week on March 1st. Yep. Well, 50% of the people did not show up.
1: Because they didn't have to. So,
0: um, well, we'll find out whether they didn't have to or they just, you know, they they, fe- they felt that they didn't have to because they felt like, you know what, I, I, maybe I want to work for Goldman Sachs, but I don't want to work in the office five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see what happens with these companies like J.P. Morgan Chase insisted that Apple wants their people going back three full days a week. You heard Elon Musk of Tesla said he wants his people back in a physical facility at least 40 hours a week. Well, some people are going to choose not to do that. Mm -hmm. Some people may. The key is you no longer can control when, where, and how your employees work across the board of your organization. Maybe some people you can. Maybe if you work uh, for McDonald's and you're in front of a cashier, maybe you control that person's time. But a knowledge worker who works on things that you don't even know what what they're actually doing, um, there's got to be much more of a partnership. Mm -hmm. much more of an interdependence than there ever has been. I think the companies that understand that are going to thrive to that next level. And the companies that are still trying to control, I think are going to have a hard time attracting talent.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. And I do see a shift with with the economy shifting and we're already seeing you know that some businesses probably won't be that impacted by it but you're looking at some of these big businesses who are already going on hiring freezes in anticipation of a full-blown recession at the time of this recording we're in june 2022 and you know the predictors are that q4 will be in a full-blown recession um so that means that there will be you know putting more cookies in the cookie jar, squirreling away acorns, tightening up the belts, all of those phrases. And the the dynamic of labor shortage versus um, not could shift. It could balance. You know, we're 0.5 people looking for a job for every open position, according to the government, which, you know, might be a little bit skewed, but it can't be that far off. Um, what are actionable strategies that an employer brand can and not when I'm not I'm not saying like the employer I mean like to support your employer brand what people think about you like what what do I think it's like to work there what are actionable strategies with all of these crazy dynamics that a business can implement to be an employer of choice as we're looking at hybrid and on site and virtual. And I know that's a really big question. If you have a couple, you know, I'm just going to shut my mouth and let you go. Uh,
0: Yeah. Before I get to the answer to that question, I just want to remind ourselves that in the last major recession, uh, 2008 Mm -hmm. into 2009 and so forth. So you had the biggest disruption and uh, separation between companies that had been number one, number two, iconic brands. Yeah. Like, remember the BlackBerry, the number yeah. one business mobile tool, research in motion? Nokia, yeah. Swedish company, was the largest handset maker in the world in 2008. Bigger than Apple, bigger than um, and the Android phones, uh, you know, bigger than any of these. And guess what? Nokia is a very tiny shell of itself. Right now they're doing uh, digital mapping and other kinds of, of things, right? So you had Lehman Brothers and yeah. Bear Stearns, you had AIG, you had Washington Mutual, remember Blockbuster. Okay, all these companies either faded away or they are very small. Then you had companies like Facebook. 2008, Facebook was only 4 years old. Google was only 9 years old. You had Etsy, you had Airbnb, you had Uber, you had Lyft. Okay, these companies are now many of them iconic brands. And so in these crisis moments, there's a shift that happens between companies that understand what it means to be resilient, what it means to manage through disruption, and what it means to try to hold on to the past. So to answer your question about what do employers do to be the employee of choice, first of all, to truly understand in their hearts, not just in in a marketing campaign, that in their hearts, they actually create the wealth that they have, the opportunity to have from and with the people who work with them. So it's understanding the sacredness of life and that these people truly create wealth for you. So being respectful and caring about them really, truly authentically has to come first. And then having a way to communicate with what people actually want. So when we started Opportunity Lab back in April of 2022, we started a program called Share Lab. Where we would go into our clients' companies, and we'd ask two, three questions. One, where are you calling from? So we actually knew where they lived, because many people didn't even know where the person sitting next to them for twenty years lived. <laughs> what crazy? is inspiring you? <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. Now, now we know now what your you kitchen know,
1: looks like. Totally your kitchen, different dynamics. Your,
0: kids, your cats. That's right. right you, you, you know a lot more about people, and that that becomes much more intimate. And I think good in a way if you respect that so what where are you calling from what is inspiring you and what is troubling and we would teach companies how to listen and really have three things come out of those share lab sessions people feeling cared about people feeling connected to the company and to the people around the company and people who how do we make sure that they're functioning well emotionally functioning technologically functioning communication, functioning, all those kind of things. So our share lab program has been a huge success. We've done a number of different companies and that's a way to really keep your your finger on the pulse of what's really happening throughout the organization in the physical building, but also way out there in all these places where people are working right now.
1: Yeah, and I love that because you can do an employee engagement strategy and obviously I support those. I'm not against them, but that's that's more um, hard data and, and people don't necessarily, um, again, because people don't they're not confident in the writing if you offer an opportunity to to give some verbatim they may or they may not or they might not express it there's no way to follow up with that person because it's it's um anonymous but if you do these um share labs that's in real time you can have follow-up questions and now you have anecdotal evidence which is also data to make choices about the company, about what's best for the company, which, as you mentioned, encompasses your team members who create the wealth for you because you can't do it without them. <laughs> like, that's that's a huge takeaway that I, that I would have for this. You know, I don't have that many employees, so it's easy for me to stay in touch with mine. But, you know, there's some leaders out there right now who are managing 50, 100, 200 people under them. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, so the, yeah, the share labs are really a great tool for listening, understanding, and they work very well in combination with, you know, the employee engagement surveys, because we will say, guess what, we've got an employee engagement survey coming up, uh, we really want you to fill it out and be thorough, and it is truly anonymous, or, you know, guess what, we have an employee assistance program, and it's it's really works, and, you know, call them when you uh, need that help from from a physical or emotional support standpoint. So the share labs really kind of also leverage the other things that are going on in the organization, kind of the glue mm-hmm. between the, the assets that the company has that maybe people don't know about or they're not sure they trust them or just doesn't don't have the context to use them properly.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, gosh, I could talk about that all day long, but we're, we don't have the time. Uh, maybe you'll have to come back for another episode. Um, so if you can get your senior leaders or your owners on board for for genuinely understanding or at least trying to understand because it's it's a process right what their impact on the world is i've i've always said leadership is a calling because people are like oh it's so sexy amber you're a um you know you're an entrepreneur you're so brave and while i do think that entrepreneurship is the number one personal development program that ever was Um, leaders in an organization are very special too. And I think it's a calling because how you lead your team, small or big, is going to impact how they then lead other people, interact with each other, go home, interact with their family, interact with their community, how their kids act in the community. Like there's such a rippling effect that you're starting at work, because that's where we spend the majority of our time, whether that's virtual or in person or w- no matter how you slice it. So um, beyond, you know, let's say I'm, I'm listening and I'm not a leader. W- what do I need to do to encourage this posture in the company that I work for?
0: Amber, I would give the same answer to a leader or somebody who is working on the front line of an organization, It's really one of the key, uh, the seven habits of a highly successful people going back to Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. Begin with the end in mind. Yes. So when we talk about eulogy and we talk about life purpose, the owners and leaders begin with the end in mind. What kind of company do you want to create? What kind of legacy do you want to to leave? What kind of leader do you want to be? And then what do I have to do now to Actually, live that on a day-to-day basis. The same thing for a frontline employee. Begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to go in your career? Where do you want to go in your personal life, in your family life, whatever aspects of life you value? And what do you need to start doing now to be able to move in that direction? You know, day by day, week by week, etc. Et and a lot of times, people just don't really understand their own greatness, their own unique greatness, because companies do try to put people into job descriptions and labels and pigeonholes. And so a lot of times people have talents that they don't even use in the company. We're we're trying to get companies to actually look at their talent pool as an ecosystem, rather than as an organizational chart, which has boxes around
1: it. Preach. (laughs) When are we gonna go have coffee, Mark? Like we can talk about this all day. I have a caffeine uh high for the day. Where, where uh, are you? I I totally forgot where are you physically I'm in, located. I'm in Nashville. Where are you?
0: Uh, I'm in New York City. So uh okay, I love I love Nashville. So we'll go we'll go to the um the Union Inn, where yeah. they play great great yeah. country music. And so we'll uh, Union we'll Station. Ha- we'll have some- Union yeah. Station. Yeah. Union Station. Yeah
1: perfect yeah my sister lived in new york city for i mean forever decades and um she and her husband who is um native italian uh moved to rome uh last year about this time last year so um i don't have the regular reason to go up there but i go up there for so i'll long give time. you
0: multiple reasons if you come to new york i will find seven things that you can do that even New Yorkers don't even know exist
1: oh that's it that is a deal that is I'm filing that away next time I'm in New York'm I'm, I'm coming for you mark and I'll be like I need my seven things so um as we wrap up and before we we talk about where you get your book and where to find you on the interwebs and all that good stuff I always like to ask every single guest what is a parting piece of advice that if they just forget everything about this episode and hang on to this one nugget what would that be for our listeners?
0: Well, I'm going to just go back to what I referenced just a moment ago. Begin with the end in mind. actually write your eulogy even if it's just a paragraph mm-hmm. and then ask yourself, what's the one thing I could do today that I wasn't doing yesterday that will get me closer to living the life that I have stated I want when I wrote my eulogy?
1: That is really good that is. That is really good. One thing, not boil the ocean, not all the things. What's the one thing I can do? So much more manageable. I love that. Um and, and everybody
0: had everybody knows what that one thing is. They they have to stop and commit to just that one thing. And you know what? It could be Amber, it could be I have always wanted to meditate. You know Meditate five minutes a day, just five minutes. And you go, wow, I feel so peaceful in that five minutes. So maybe I could do six. Yeah. You know, just call up a friend that you haven't spoken to in Twenty years that you felt you loved so much and you missed. Call them up. Yeah, you know, whatever that one thing is, it could be a big thing or it could be a small thing. But it, everybody knows that there's one thing that'll move them forward towards that life that they want to live.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I I, I told you before um, we started recording that we kicked off the Velvet Machete Leadership Academy, and, and the the fabulous humans that are in this group coaching program, were are all um, you know just talking about some of the friction that is there from like, this is where I was and I don't want to be here anymore. And sometimes it's not even bad. It's just like, I've outgrown that. I want to go here. And so what we do is we ask everyone to state a goal within that they'll accomplish in, in the 10 weeks that we're together and every Thursday they have to update their goal sheet. And, you know, with strategic planning, it's like, okay, here's the goal and here's all the mini goals and here are all the sub, um, you know, dates that you have to hit and it's all mapped out and everything. And I'm like, we're not doing that. What we want you to do is week over week, just choose one thing that's going to move you towards that goal. Just one thing and report in on that. And if you, if you don't get it done, then Amy <laughs> my operations manager is going to hunt you down. To, to do that one thing to ask you, what was the one thing that you did, um, so that you can have that life that you want. So life business, whatever that is. So, um, I would dare say that there are going to be some listeners who are interested in connecting with you. So how can they book a call with you, like an exploratory call? Like how do they go about doing that?
0: Uh, So many different ways to connect with us. Simplest way is go on our website and literally what you see our mission is we build resilient organizations with shared abundance. That's our simple Mm -hmm. mission. And right underneath that is book a call with us. So you can book a call. It's free. It's simple. Uh, You get the schedule right there. And that would be one direct way to do it. Um, we have a community that we've been uh, growing since uh, very beginning of COVID called Opportunity Community, and we help leaders thrive through disruption, and it's free. It's once a month. They can sign up for our newsletter. They will get an invitation uh, to the next one. We actually did. We had one last week, and our, it was interesting. We, our focus last week was what could we learn about team culture from Ted Lasso? I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with uh, Ted, Ted Lasso with Apple TV. Um, but we played two clips from Ted Lasso, and it was phenomenal what we you know, what we got out of how do you build a team culture. So, um, yeah, sign up for Opportunity Community. You'll meet some leaders from all around the world, people who you need to know. A lot of great networking opportunities for that. Uh, we have a newsletter, which comes out every week. Uh, that's on our website. We have a lot of content on OpLab TV, which you can also find on our website or on YouTube. And then we've got multiple podcasts. So, This one will be up there uh, as soon as you publish it. So a lot of different ways. Easiest way to go on our website opplab.com, opplab.com. My book is available on Amazon, either in Kindle or in print. And it is because it is in an age of disruption. It's 140 pages. You can read it on a plane between New York and Minneapolis-St. Paul. Okay, that was my goal. I, or Nashville, right? So, um, you know, like I want you to read this book on a plane, not going from here to um, Jakarta, Indonesia, but you know, like on a, on a three hour flight. Oh, I, I got, I got it, right? And so one of the one of the chapters in there is called Principles for Conscious Leaders, and one of the key principles is what we call the Quiet Mind of the Conscious Leader. So, in terms of your the group that you run, you know, the, the mastermind group that you run, Velvet Machete. Um, it's a great tool because if, when your mind is, is not quiet, mm-hmm. if your mind is noisy and anxious, you, you want to do that goal, you want to be accountable, but it's just too much noise. So yeah. we teach that uh, we teach through meditation and other ways being in nature, how to create that quiet mind. And from that quiet mind, all kinds of wonderful things can emerge. but if your mind is not quiet, it'll just be noisy and you won't attract what you want.
1: Yeah. So, um, I interviewed Andrew McConnell, um, who wrote and and released this week, uh, get out of my head. It's, it was all about not letting other people or different versions of yourself or circumstances rent space in your head, like you having to be the owner of your own brain. And, and if you, if you don't do those mindfulness activities, it's really hard to manage. So Mark, you're so cool. I'm glad we're friends now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed, uh, Really, really enjoyed talking with you. I felt like we it was a conversation we could have had over coffee rather than a typical podcast. So thank you. Yeah,
1: well, I'm the nerd. Like if we were to have coffee or like last night I was out with girlfriends, like this is what we talk about. So it's like I I'm there, I just I just think there's so many lessons to learn and there's so much about our lives and expression of our gifts and how we interact in relationship that the ecosystem of business is is such a beautiful place to to play and experiment and all that kind of stuff so um i don't know if i have a healthy work-life balance but when you're working it doesn't feel like work and kind of all just feels like life so um we will post All the different ways you can connect with Mark, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, the website, all that good jazz will be in the show notes. So you can go to amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S. Also, P.S., we're about to do a whole revamp of the website. So um, like it's uh, on its last leg post-COVID. So we're working on that. And, um, you know, just make sure that if this is if this spoke to you, share this episode with somebody. And and let them know like exactly what it is that you want them to get out of it so that it'll motivate them to listen to it. That's we have all this content and sometimes we just keep it to ourselves. And I'm not trying to get more downloads or listeners. Y'all know I don't give a rip about all that. Um, you're very active and I, I adore y'all and appreciate you spending this time with me. But I think that there's some conversations that Mark is having with his customers, and I know I am too, that maybe people aren't comfortable talking about, but they can listen to Mark's wisdom and and maybe find a way to have those conversations or at least start implementing things even if they don't wave a flag over it. So Mark, thanks for being with us today.
0: Amber, my great pleasure. Thank you.
1: And bombshells, if you haven't left a rating and review, that's always super helpful. Gets more bombshell eyes on the podcast. And um, I wish you the best this week. Be powerful, be bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.